the discursive construction and performance of gendered identity on social media by Julia Cook and Riza Hazmath. Introduction The Slut Walk movement began as a protest in Toronto, Canada on April 3, 2011, in response to a Toronto police service officer's advice to students that women should avoid dressing like sluts in order to not be victimized. It subsequently evolved into a worldwide series of marches and rallies protesting against the blame assigned to victims of sexual assault. Although these marches and rallies were mobilized independently in each locale, in many cases they had been organized and coordinated through web pages on Facebook.com. Although the Facebook web pages initially provided spaces for the founders of the sites to convey information about upcoming marches and rallies to interested parties, these pages have also become spaces for engagement with the central aims of the movement the reclamation and reappropriation of discourses concerning expressions of gender and sexuality, and the vaguely stated aim of inclusiveness. Since these pages are a space in which individuals can engage with and discuss the broader aims of the movement, and further, because they connect some of the disparate locales which participated in this movement, they provide a useful platform to analyze the ability of this movement to meet its own aims. In this vein, this article explores the subversive potential afforded to subjects by their engagement with the online manifestation of the Slutwalk movement found on a subsection of Facebook web pages. We question how gendered identities are constructed and performed on these sites. Do subjects have the potential to resist these constructions? Further, what impact does the online environment have on these findings? By addressing these questions, we aim to determine the extent to which subjects are able to reclaim and reappropriate discourse and therefore meet the stated aims of the Slutwalk movement in their engagement with these web pages. Section 2. Section 2. Theoretical Framework. Third Wave Feminism and Post-Feminism. The Slutwalk movement's aim of reclaiming and reappropriating discourse is directly implicated in its treatment of feminism, which plays out some of the tensions rife within contemporary discourses of feminism. Specifically, the movement is marked by the competing and yet overlapping discourses of third-wave feminism and post-feminism. Third-wave feminism, which emerged during the early 1990s, critically engages with the feminist sex wars of the 1970s and 1980s, which for third-wave feminists have largely been distilled into a conflict between protecting or liberating women in the face of practices which are perceived to be oppressive, such as pornography. Importantly, third-wave feminism is presented as a progressive corrective to earlier visions of feminism because, firstly, it has been directly implicated in the development of intersectional approaches which aim to identify how gender intersects with other facets of a subject's identities, and secondly, it has adopted a sex-positive and liberatory approach in order to differentiate itself from the perceived negativity of earlier iteration of feminism, with the intention of bringing young women back to feminism. 
Whilst third-wave feminism actively engages with earlier forms of feminism, post-feminism strives to replace feminism altogether. Although post-feminism is a notoriously ambiguous concept, it has been broadly characterized by the ambivalent relationship which it has with feminism. It accepts and celebrates the achievements of feminism whilst positing that these achievements render it unnecessary. Importantly, post-feminism is inherently implicated in a neoliberal context which cultivates a form of subjectivity that requires subjects to become increasingly self-governing and self-reliant. Post-feminism and neoliberalism are united by the mutual development of rhetorics and of personal responsibility and individual choice. In this study, we will focus on the question of how discourse of feminism and post-feminism have impacted upon the ability of the online manifestations of the slut walk movement to meet its stated aims. Gender as performatively constructed. Judith Butler's conceptualization of gender as performatively constructed is used as an operating lens in our investigation of identity construction and resistance. Butler argues that there is no pre-discursive subject and through this defines gender as a process. This releases gender from the binary understanding of sex as biological and gender as socially assigned that has predominated within the academy. Instead, she views both gender and sex as produced within the heterosexual matrix. Butler conceptualizes the heterosexual matrix as having the ability to render gender subjects culturally intelligible, that is, as able to be read discursively, by generating ideal relationships between sex, gender, and desire, held in place and reinforced by norms of bodily gestures, practices, declarations, actions, and movements. The central role that language and discourse plays in this study positions declarations as the focal point of examination. Within this framework, resistance to dominant constructions of gendered identity is therefore understood as resistance to the heteronormative relationship constructed within the heterosexual matrix. Butler herself points to a potential space for resistance, the inherently unstable nature of the heterosexual matrix illustrated by the necessity for subjects to constantly repeat the norms that solidify it. This process of repetition illustrates that such norms are not fixed and instead must be constantly stabilized, which vests subjects with the potential to repeat norms in a different manner and enact enact a process through which these norms can be subverted. Butler identifies periodic styles as the type of subversive repetition capable of throwing the perceived naturalness of heterosexuality into question. This is achieved by subjects through denaturalization of the norms that solidify the heterosexual matrix, which makes evident their nature as performative constructions. The aim of Butler's subversive politics is the creation of a space in which non-normative genders, sexualities, and sexes may achieve legitimacy. The potential for such resistance is located in the spaces that emerge within the heterosexual matrix through parity for the, of the norms that construct and solidify it. 
Butler's subversive gender politics are central to the study, for which they are used as a template to identify whether subversions of dominant constructions of gender are enacted within a network of web pages, and whether these subversions, in the words of Butler, constitute a striker blow against the heterosexual matrix. Moreover, engagement with Butler's subversive gender politics facilitates an understanding of the means that individual subjects have to resist the way in which they are constructed. As this study focuses on a collective movement, it is necessary to question whether the subversive potential afforded to subjects by the use of computer-mediated communication, CMC, can be extended to provide an account of intersubjective resistance. Angela McRobbie extends Butler's conceptualization of a dumbbell entanglement, relating it to the contemporary treatment of feminism as taken to be common sense while simultaneously reviled. Although McRobbie investigates luminous spaces of attention and in the process structuring the norms holding Butler's heterosexual matrix in place, only the post-feminist masquerade is utilized within this study. The post-feminist masquerade refers to the style that may be adopted by women to help them navigate the terrain of hegemonic masculinity without jeopardizing their sexual identity, aiding their navigation of undesirable subject positions. McRobbie's work is useful as it facilitates an understanding of the specific discourses, working as norms, that construct subjects' identities. Relatedly, Maria Bacar-Javin's study of online forms as carnival is somewhat sympathetic with McRobbie's work, as it provides an illustration of how such ideas can be converted into an online context by emphasizing the navigation of a political landscape through hyperbolic performances of the self, which are facilitated by the unique nature of the online spaces, such as a degree of anonymity. The Online Context Since their advent in the late 1990s, social network sites, SNSs, have been harnessed by users as a platform to construct and perform gendered identities. This is evident when examining the conclusions of early studies of gender differences in online communication. Looking at asynchronous, in other words, interaction taking place over varying amounts of time, and synchronous, in other words, real-time interaction, online environments. While studies of asynchronous online environments suggested that the presentation of gender identities largely mirrored its presentation in a face-to-face context, findings looking at synchronous online environments challenged this viewpoint. Such studies illustrated the potential that CMC has to reflect and reinforce gender relations observed in face-to-face interaction and facilitate performance of gender that contest a binary understanding. The subversive potential identified within subjects' engagement with CMC was examined by scholarship investigating the role played by language and discourse in the construction and performance of gendered identities online exploring the liberatory potential of the disembodied characteristic of an online environment. 
Although this work can be critiqued for presenting a binaristic account of the relationship between online and offline environments, it nevertheless illustrates the capacity that an elective process of identity construction has to challenge dominant understandings of gender and highlights a subject's use of language and discourse as a key site through which such creative capacity can be accessed. Scholarship exploring the subversive potential provided by CMC has been expanded by studies making use of Judith Butler's concept of the heterosexual matrix. While the foundation of this scholarship was laid by Pachar Israeli's study of the opportunities which nicknames afforded users of internet relay chat for establishing a playful and fluid identity and Rodino's engagement with Butler's work, Recent studies have been implicated in post-feminist discourses. This complicates a subject's negotiation of identity construction and performance by reframing this process as a navigation of undesirable subject positions characterized by hypersexualization on the one hand and a complete divorce from sexuality on the other. Reynold and Ringrose have used such work to explore the subversive potential provided to subjects by their use of CMC to resist dominant construction of gender, that is, located in the potential for resistance in small-scale individual ruptures of the heterosexual matrix rather than large-scale acts of resistance. Subsequent studies expanded upon this finding, focusing on how the freedom that the fluid environment of SNS helped subjects to enact these moments of resistance and subversion. Such work is again constructed by its limitation to online spaces. It is therefore useful to turn to recent scholarship, highlighting the way in which the creative capacity of language and discourse can be disembedded from its online context. By exploring the use of smartphones to facilitate mass mobilization throughout the Occupy movement, and the use of Facebook for the political mobilization during the 2008 U.S. federal election, such studies have endeavored to break down a binary understanding of online and offline environments in favor of a fluid conceptualization of their relationship. This work has important implications for the study as it attempts to resist dominant gender constructions, further suggesting that the impact of such acts could potentially be extended beyond their immediate online context. Although the theoretical approaches outlined above provide a framework through which to explore processes of identity construction, it is necessary to interrogate the impact of an online context upon these processes without presenting an essentialist view of such spaces. The data collected from the relevant Facebook web pages for this study can be labeled as socio-technical systems, a term proposed by Neerderer and Van Jyck to refer to online spaces which are formed through both social and technological components. By contextualizing the development of social media platforms, specifically Twitter, Within a long line of communication technologies, Murthy emphasizes the qualitatively new elements of these spaces whilst avoiding essentialist tendencies. Notably, using Irving Goffman's symbolic interactionism as a starting point, he explores subjects' embedding capacity, 
that is, their ability to embed utterances which did not originate with them within new contexts. By illustrating how tweets, textual messages on Twitter can be appropriated by other users and circulated beyond their anticipated context, Murthy highlights an online manifestation of this concept. Based upon the way in which tweets can be re-embedded within new contexts, Murphy terms this synthetic embedding, a concept which demisses the need for a situated present and therefore constitutes a departure from Goffman's work. The parallels between the highlighted features of Twitter and the Facebook webpages analyzed in the study illustrate the applicability of Murphy's approach to this work. Such an approach allows analysis to be extended to exploration of the relevance of the online context of the sites since it is able to contend with new facets of online spaces, their informational nature, ontological fluidity, and their ability to act as a proxy for a third party in asynchronous communication. Section 3. Methodology The study focuses on a subsection of Facebook web pages each of which were the online manifestation of the slutwalk movement in a locale around the world. Although this movement was discussed on a number of online forums, including other social media platforms, we focus on Facebook as an initial review illustrated that the pages on this platform witnessed the most active and sustained discussion of the movement and its aims. The data collection process took place from June to July 2012. Since the Slutwalk presence on Facebook is comprised of over 100 local groups, it was necessary to limit the sample. This was achieved through the use of a snowball sampling technique to collect the data. We initially started by looking at the first Slutwalk Facebook group in Toronto and moved chronologically to other local Slutwalk Facebook groups. This data was collected from content posted to the wall on each page by the administrators who established and moderated the page, and commenters and collaborators who interacted with the content by contributing posts and commenting on existing posts. This process continued until we achieved data saturation. In the end, the wall posting of 13 local Slutwalk Facebook groups with an average of 105 posts by mediators and 496 comments from contributors for each wall were analyzed. The site administrators were primarily responsible for the distribution of key information about the marches and stimulating discussion about the objectives of the movement by posting relevant content on the web pages. Strictly speaking, the administrators partially influenced the discussion that the commenters engaged in. Although practically, the administrators generally used their role to ensure that the commenters remained focused on the key tenets and issues of the movement. Quantifying the exact size of the slutwalk movement was challenging due to the fact that Facebook pages are publicly accessible and, as such, individuals can glance at the pages without recording their presence. Given page traffic data was not accessible, the total number of discrete contributors were recorded for each page was used as a proxy for estimating activity. When compared with the Facebook pages of other social movements, for instance, the Occupy, Occupy movement, the Slutwalk movement has a comparable number of posts and interestingly has a larger base of discrete commenters and collaborators. 
We established commonality across the network of Facebook groups through the collection of demographic information from collaborators and comparison of discourses on each web page, which were found to have a high degree of similarity. Although discourses, rather than discrete web pages, formed the focal point of the study's analysis, the data was not de-identified from its locale during the analysis due to the importance of examining similarities and differences between the web pages. Although the slutwalk movement spread widely around the globe, the web pages, which were interconnected with the Facebook page representing the original movement in Toronto, generally represented locales which had some key commonalities. Most notably, the web pages were overwhelmingly from developed nations which shared a globalized culture. This is not to discount the relevance of culturally specific experiences, rather it is intended to highlight that the online connections which were forged between them were premised on important similarities. Data was studied using a critical discourse analysis informed by the work of Norman Fairclough. This approach accommodated the importance of language and discourse within this research, allowing data to be considered at three levels. Textual analysis, focusing on microlinguistic concerns, discursive practice, concerned with a meso-analysis of the way in which texts were socially produced, and social practice, engaging with a macro-analysis and allowing for contextualization of the text within a wider context. The applicability of these categories was confirmed by a pilot study of a single site. Data was then organized thematically to allow the questions motivating this research to be addressed. The data collected from the network of sites was produced collaboratively and therefore necessitated the adoption of a fluid, nonlinear approach to analysis in which the diverse voices within it could be placed in dialogue. This consideration informed the inductive approach taken to data analysis, allowing a sense of context to be achieved before data was coded thematically. This process began with an examination of how discourses were deployed to construct meaning. The data was then reorganized thematically to allow the diverse voices to be examined in order to establish the discourses that were dominant. Close linkages were ensured between each stage of analysis in order to preserve the context of the original data aiming to produce research that was representative of its original environment. Although it is uncommon to include the demographic details of the samples used in studies of online spaces, we have included information on the age and gender of the contributors where possible, firstly to strengthen the argument that the degree of commonality between the web pages was sufficient for their combined analysis, and secondly due to the strong focus which these, this piece has on the way in which various expressions of identity intersect with gender. This approach has been used successfully in early studies of the presentation of self in online contexts. The parameters of research were constrained by the impossibility of accessing demographic information for all of the individuals that contributed to these sites and impacted by the elective and self-reported nature of demographic information on Facebook. Demographic information was missing from the pages of some individuals, resulting in incomplete information in our sample. 
Furthermore, demographic information that was reported could not be verified, meaning that it was not feasible to ensure the accuracy of the sample. These dilemmas mirror the typical shortcomings that characterize online data collection. Section 4. Findings and Discussion To best explore how gendered identities are constructed and performed, whether subjects have the potential to resist these constructions, and the impact of the online environment on these findings, results, and analysis are presented thematically. A. Discourses that constructed gender. B. The treatment of feminism. C. The politics of reappropriation. D. The connection between inclusiveness and intersectionality. And E. The relationship between CMC and FTF interaction throughout the life cycle of sites. A. Discourses that constructed gender. The discourses considered to constitute gender were primarily concerned with enabling subjects to avoid being inscribed within undesirable subject positions. This was ensured through the construction of the self in opposition to negative subject positions, allowing this process to be framed as a navigation of disadvantageous subject positions characterized by overt sexualization which conveyed an aggressive sexuality, and a lack of sexuality, which jeopardized the sexual desirability of the subject. This negotiation process was found to construct subjects' identities relationally in response to a masculine subject, which was defined with reference to R.W. Connell's understanding of hegemonic masculinity as the dominant form of masculinity within the gender hierarchy which is underpinned by a normative ideal of male behavior. This navigation process was reflected in subjects' engagement with the broad aims of the slutwalk movement, such as the promotion of consent, in a way that incorporated these aims, exemplified by the statement, real men know that consent is sexy. This statement defines the speaker in relation to a masculine subject who is vested with the power to deem the author of the comment sexy. It allows the author to avoid presenting an aggressive sexuality by aligning the promotion of consent with the position of a masculine subject. Yes, I am a feminist. No, I don't hate men. These statements once more illustrate an effort to avoid delegation to an undesirable subject position, and the subject is again defined in relation to a masculine subject. Notably, in discursive acts of this nature throughout the network of sites, the masculine subject that gendered identity was constructed relationally in response to was never a single individual. Rather, they were represented only by their gender and therefore come to collectively represent all men that have the power to regulate the way in which subjects partaking in this identity negotiation process are constructed. The discourses that constructed gender were found to be enacted through the navigation of undesirable subject positions prompted by the definition of subjects in response to an unspecified masculine subject collectively representing all men vested with the power to regulate this process. Such findings verified 
that the subjects could be contextualized within what Butler termed the heterosexual matrix as their relationally defined identities solidified a normative relationship between gender, heterosexuality, and desire. Gaining an understanding of this process was crucial as it allowed for subsequent examination of the potential that subjects had for resistance. B. The Treatment of Feminism in a Post-Feminist Context Within the network of sites, subjects displayed an ambivalent relationship with the aims of Slutwalk, which was then reflected in their treatment of feminism. Importantly, the Slutwalk movement draws upon various elements of feminist discourses. For example, it parallels with the Take Back the Night rallies, which began in 1975 as protests against rape and sexual assault. While its sex-positive and inclusive emphasis references the third-wave feminism of the 1990s, although by virtue of its reference to previous movements, Slutwalk is considered to be a feminist movement, there was a lack of explicit identification with feminism within the Facebook pages. Instead, feminism was implicitly incorporated into the rhetoric of the movement through statements such as I need feminism because when he called me a slut after sexually assaulting me, I believed him. This mirrors the catch cry of, this is why I need slut walk, that echoed throughout the web pages. The prevalence of discourses such as these resulted in the equation of slut walk with feminism and the seemingly interchangeable use of both terms. Nevertheless, the lack of explicit identification with feminism mixed with rhetorics of choice feminism, an intersection of post-feminism and neoliberalism, which emphasizes individuality and one's freedom of choice, within the network of sites made reference to the ambivalence of post-feminist discourses which accept the achievements of feminism while dismissing its contemporary relevance. By linking slutwalk with post-feminist discourses, the masculine subject in reference to whom the participants establish their identities can be understood as McRobbie's hegemonic masculine ideal, which forms an essentialized collective idea of men. He comes to stand for all men who are vested with the power to shape the participation of other, not always female, subjects in the post-feminist masquerade. He is defined collectively solely on the basis of gender which suggests that the identity construction process of the subjects that are defined in response to him is similarly dominated by considerations of gender. C. The Politics of Reappropriation By virtue of its name, the Slutwalk movement is inextricably linked to notions of reclamation and reappropriation of discourse. This is best demonstrated through efforts to reappropriate and reclaim the term slut. Such efforts were directly implicated in the dominant construction of gendered identity, which illustrates that it provides a crucial foundation from which to discuss the degree of success achieved by attempts at resistance. These struggles were evident across the Facebook pages and were divided into collective and individual efforts. Analysis focused on the example that was most prevalent throughout the network, the attempt to reappropriate the word slut. The connotations of promiscuity 
and unrestrained sexuality that surround the term slut characterize one of the subject positions that the post-feminist masquerade was enacted to avoid, that of hypersexualization. Therefore, the success of acts of resistance in which slut was deployed can be assessed through Butler's framework. Within this framework, a successful act of resistance is one that subverts the norms that solidify the heterosexual matrix. These norms were established within the Facebook pages through subjects' participation in the post-feminist masquerade. Hence, the potential for deployment of a successful act of resistance was located in the use of slut in a way that denaturalized and challenged the dominant way that it was perceived. Although the collective project of resistance, Slut Walk's efforts to reappropriate slut, has garnered attention from both individuals and international media, its subversive potential is diminished when viewed through Butler's framework. This is due to the fact that mass efforts at reappropriation repeated these subversive acts by, act by using slut in identical ways throughout the network, evidenced by a catch cry of welcome sluts and allies. Even if this act was initially destabilizing, its repetition resulted in its routinization within the norms solidifying the heterosexual matrix, which stripped it of its subversive potential. This dilemma, coupled with the incompatibility of Butler's work with a comprehensive notion of intersubjective resistance and collective solidarity, demonstrates that mass attempts at resistance enacted in this way were unlikely to successfully subvert the norms that stabilize the heterosexual ma matrix in the context of the Facebook web pages. In light of the seeming inability of large-scale collective narratives to affect resistance, this article instead focuses on individual acts of re-articulation. Within the web Facebook web pages, there was evidence of individual attempts to reappropriate discourse through the inventive use of language such as sluttastic and through ironic reimaginings of incidents of street harassment in which the narrator adopts the label of a slut. Discursive acts of this nature represented a creative utilization of power that was not yet routinized within the heterosexual matrix as, although sluttastic may superficially be considered a repetition of the term slut, mirroring collective repetition of the term, the unexpected way that it used language suggests that it was momentarily vested with the potential to destabilize the word's meaning due to the fact that it cannot immediately but be understood discursively. Therefore, the subversive potential of this act lies in its ability to momentarily destabilize the norms constructing the heterosexual matrix through its denaturalization of the word slut, which may force viewers of the site into a moment of reinterpretation. The tenuous moment of subversion mirrors the resistance located by Reynolds and Ringrose. Building upon their work, we adopt the notion of ruptures to describe the fleeting and transgressive nature of these momentary individual acts of resistance. As these ruptures of the heterosexual matrix have been located in these individual acts of resistance, their potential impact can now be examined. This is framed in Butler's words 
as a question of whether they can constitute a strike or blow against the heterosexual matrix. D. The connection between inclusiveness and intersectionality. The online manifestation of the Slutwalk movement incorporated bids for mass resistance enacted through appeals to collective solidarity. This highlighted the necessity of examining the internal cohesion of the sites in order to determine whether they offered the potential for mass solidarity. Although there were widespread appeals for internal cohesion across the network, represented through frequent expressions of support from collaborators, such as, thank you Slutwalk organizers, we're all in this together, there was also evidence of conflict. A possible exacerbating factor was the decentralized nature of the sites, resulting in minimal guidelines dictating how the marches and subsequent groups should operate. The only explicit guideline was the emphasis on inclusiveness throughout the network of pages, following the precedent set by the original Slutwalk Toronto page. This notion of inclusiveness was premised on a desire to accommodate people of all ethno-racial backgrounds, socioeconomic positions, and sexualities, and appeared to be motivated by the concept of intersectionality which is associated with contemporary manifestations of feminism. Importantly, an intersectional approach to one's identity rejects the notion that gender is the primary criterion upon which feminist approaches should be based, and instead strives to achieve an understanding of how facets of one's identity intersect rather than accumulate to construct their social positionings. We found that the ability of the online expression of the Slutwalk movement to meet its prescribed aims, the reappropriation of discourse and incorporation of the vaguely stated notion of inclusiveness, was undermined by both a lack of internal cohesion and a shallow understanding of inclusiveness. For example, gendered was positioned as the primary criterion on which inclusion and exclusion was based as demonstrated by the discussion of whether men had the right to identify as sluts or could only be considered allies, exemplified in statements such as, the denial of male victims hurts women too. This presented a call to solidarity. This was mirrored across the network, demonstrated by the binary understanding of men as perpetrators and women as victims that showed gender to be the primary criterion on which commonality was established informing women's right to self-identify as a slut or an ally, while men could only identify as an ally. Debates about whether aspects of subjects' identities impacted upon their right to self-identify as a slut or ally complicated this model. Within these debates, there was evidence of engagement with the notion of accumulated disadvantage, which allowed some men, determined by their level of perceived disadvantage or marginalization, to self-identify as victims, supported by statements such as, the denial of male victims hurts women too, and if you deny the experience of men, you're denying the experience of sex workers. The conflict surrounding such issues was exemplified in discussion on the Slutwalk NYC site, in which, in which the administrator's primary focus on gender meant that they were unable to fully acknowledge racialized experiences which marginalize facets of subjects' identities aside from gender 
and highlighted an inability to account for the way that aspects other than gender intersected within subjects' identities. Therefore, despite the emphasis which these sites place upon inclusiveness, these discussions failed to display an understanding of identities as intersectional. Indeed, rather than decentering the primary role gender played into determining how subjects could self-identify, it structured various dimensions of subjects' identities into a hierarchy topped by gender. This undermined the network's goal of inclusiveness as it resulted in relational constructions of a self that were reliant on a negative other. Therefore, the relational definition of subjects and prioritization of gender within the network of sites was found to contradict the goals of the slutwalk movement, damaging its ability to fulfill its own aims. The frequent inability of both mediators and collaborators to acknowledge the intersecting facets constituting subjects' identities also undermined the subversive potential of acts of resistance, preventing them from affecting ruptures of the heterosexual matrix. Ethno-racial backgrounds were incorporated in the post-feminist masquerade within the network of sites demonstrated by the simultaneous acceptance and dismissal of notions of multiculturalism and tolerance, affecting a double subordination in which both feminism and multiculturalism were subject to the appropriative relationship characteristic of the network's post-feminist context. This rendered non-white femininities unintelligible by restructuring the boundaries of acceptable femininity, thereby framing ethno-rationalized experiences of gender as non-normative. The process of subordination was extended beyond both gender and ethno-racial backgrounds to encompass diverse facets of subjects' identities, framing multifaceted identities that challenged the centrality of gender as non-normative gender identities, as they transgressed the aims that motivated engagement with the post-feminist masquerade. In light of this, analysis focused on whether momentary ruptures of the heterosexual matrix located within the Facebook web pages had the power to render these non-normative gender identities intelligible. Acts of reappropriation that expressed non-normative gender identities discursively and subsequently denaturalized the norms that constructed the subject in a way that rendered the subject intelligible were therefore located as the acts vested with the power to effect a strike or blow against the heterosexual matrix. The unsuccessful effort at collective resistance detailed above once again directed consideration to individual modes of resistance. These attempts were more compatible with an intersectional understanding of identity as they represented diverse individuals rather than collective subjects. Notably, individual acts of resistance in which gender was decentered as the most prominent facet of identity in favor of a more holistic approach to subjects were scattered throughout the network of sites. The most striking examples were testimonials in which subjects expressed that I would call myself a slut within the context of their own personal narratives. Individual identification as a slut differed from the mass identification 
enacted by the wider movement, as these instances were not repetitions, they could not be divorced from their particular meanings and therefore were not at risk of becoming routinized and subsequently incorporated into the norms stabilizing the heterosexual matrix. Within these testimonials, the prominence of gender was decentralized, as it could not be understood separately from the facets of subjects' identities that were simultaneously expressed, facilitating acknowledgement of the intersectionality of identity and allowing for an understanding of constructions of gender that was informed by multiple facets of subjects' identities. This reappropriation, therefore, access the potential outlined above to subvert the norms that stabilize the heterosexual matrix, rendering non-normative intersectional gendered identities intelligible. Consequently, it is considered to constitute a strike or blow against the heterosexual matrix. Importantly, it should be noted that the potential for inclusiveness and an acknowledgement of the intersectionality of identity was constrained by the content of the web pages. Although they represented particular locales, they rarely exhibited engagements with the specific challenges which were faced in these locales, with the page of Slutwalk NYC providing a notable exception. Instead, the participants appeared to engage with broad discourses and presented much of the same material on each of their pages, signifying a homogeneous engagement with feminist and post-feminist discourses. It appeared that solidarity across the movement was achieved at the expense of the particularity of experience in each locale. E. The relationship between CMC and FTF interaction throughout the life cycle of sites. Examination of the discursive construction of identity within the Facebook pages highlighted shifts in the use of these pages illustrated by the fluctuating relationship that these pages had with the specific locale they represented and the specific time frames which they represented. The sites initially focused on recruiting from the marches that constitute the FTF manifestation of the movement, expressed through strong emphasis on the connection between the online and offline elements of the Slutwalk movement. Welcome, sluts and allies. We'll see you all at the march. This comment amply illustrated the temporary use of these sites as spaces for planning and disseminating the details of the marches. In this initial phase of the sites, were used primarily to provide information about the march and the wider movement. This changed after the march or rally, with these sites most often becoming networks of links to useful online resources, which were often not bound to a specific time or place. Although at this point, the online manifestation gained primary importance, loose connections to the geographically bound time and space which the sites initially represented remained. Although the majority of the sites moved between these two forms, dependent on the impending occurrence of a march, the sites of Slutwalk, Slutwalk NYC and Slutwalk Singapore and Kalau Lampar moved on to a third inactive stage. Although content was no longer contributed, these pages remained part of the network held in place by their links to other sites and existing as sites containing useful information. The final two stages which these sites go through appear to have potential implications for how individuals interact with them. For example, 
While the link between social media use and political engagement has been studied widely, especially in the context of the 2008 U.S. election, more recent scholarship has highlighted that individuals also rely on social media as a source of more general news and information. When this insight is combined with the claim that social media platforms such as Facebook allow users to establish pages with which function as archives, it becomes apparent that the network of Slutwalk Facebook pages, which were included in the study, may be used to provide an archive of useful information to users which is not bound by its original space and time. The various stages which these sites went through, as well as their fluctuating relationship with time and space, had implications for the process of identity, construction, and resistance outlined above. The relevance that ruptures enacted within the Facebook pages could have beyond their immediate context can be explored using Murthy's adaptation of Goffman's work. Using Goffman's original concept of embedding, referring to the scope for utterances which were removed from their original author to be re-embedded, Murthy developed the concept of synthetic embedding in order to adapt Goffman's work to an online context. Such a process occurred within the Facebook pages explored, illustrated by the way in which utterances in the form of phrases, rhetorics, and images came to be repeated throughout the network. The subversive possibilities inherent within this are illustrated by the potential for the ruptures located within the network to be re-embedded within new contexts. As highlighted by Marwick and Boyd, participants in mediated interactions have an awareness of an audience, even in a constructed or imaginary form. The implication of this is twofold. First, this awareness helps to shape performances of the self into a form which can be interpreted by other subjects. Second, the presence of an audience illustrates that the impact of ruptures extends beyond their immediate context through being viewed by this audience. This claim suggests that the relationship between ruptures and their online context enhances their subversive potential by providing the potential for ruptures to be continually re-embedded in new contexts. This context provides them with a longevity they may not otherwise achieve. Additionally, this relationship illustrates the fluid connections between online and offline environments by highlighting the potential for mediated performances of the self to impact upon each context. Importantly, when the web pages went from being spaces for organizing action, which would occur in a face-to-face -face context, to simply providing spaces for interaction, information, and connection, they appear to fracture from the FTF expression of the movement. This points to the necessity of tempering the subversive potential of ruptures enacted within the sites with an acknowledgement of their limitations. The distance of these sites from the FTF movement, in turn, impacted upon the ways in which individuals interacted with them. Specifically, while they were connected to the movement, many discussions were particular to the locale which the pages represented. And then, when the webpage fractured from the wider movement, the discussions largely became more general. This demonstrated 
that although the online context of these sites presented individuals with a creative and fluid space in which to perform their identities, when these spaces were linked with the FTF expression of the movement, such expressions were inevitably constrained by the structural and systemic factors which govern social life. Specifically, due to the neoliberal context in which the locales which were studied can be situated, this manifested as a freedom to express oneself within the bounds of acceptable identities. Notably, when the webpages ceased to be connected directly with the FTF expression of the movement, they also largely ceased to refer to the specifics of their locale. The way in which the identity process was impacted by its proximity to FTF expressions served to remind us that although the participants engaged in the freeing environment of online interaction, they nevertheless remained situated in the social context of their everyday lives. Section 5. Conclusion By exploring the ambivalent engagement of feminism throughout Slutwalk Facebook webpages, we determined that the discourses constitutive of gendered identity were constructed by subjects' participation in the post-feminist masquerade. Through this interpretation, insight was gained into the nature of the identity of construction process, which facilitated exploration of the significance of the relational construction of subjects' identities in response to an unspecified masculine subject. The abstract nature of the masculine subject, framed as a hegemonic masculine ideal, illustrated that subjects were defined relationally on the basis of gender, which explained the prioritization of gender throughout the network. Interpretation of this process allowed for exploration of whether it could be resisted. Butler's work was used to provide the criteria on which the success of resistance efforts was assessed. Such efforts were reframed as attempts to resist the norms which stabilized the heterosexual matrix. This analysis focused on efforts to reclaim and reappropriate slut. Engagement with Butler's conceptual framework diminishes the possible success of collective resistance attempts via large-scale efforts at reappropriation because the frequent repetition of these acts resulted in their incorporation within the norms that solidify the heterosexual matrix. Our analysis was therefore directed toward exploration of the potential for resistance located within individual momentary acts of resistance conceptualized as ruptures of the heterosexual matrix. Examples of tensions throughout the Facebook web pages in our sample highlighted how the Slutwalk movement's projects of resistance and inclusiveness were undermined by the inability of both collaborators and mediators to acknowledge the intersectionality of the subject's identities. Conflict in this case demonstrated the multidimensional way in which post-feminist masquerade sub subordinated subjects as diffuse facets of their identities were drawn into this process and subsequently appropriated and dismissed. This process privileged the role of gender, placing it atop the hierarchy of identity, and thus rendered all experiences of gender that were impacted by other facets of subjects' identities as non-normative. Therefore, 
Ruptures found to have the power to affect a strike or blow against the heterosexual matrix were those that enacted reappropriation through the discursive expression of non-normative gendered identities in a way that denaturalized the norms constructing them, thereby rendering them intelligible. The online context of this study suggests a subversive potential. Since ruptures can be removed from both their offer and original context, the potential for application beyond their intended purpose is latent within their creation. Additionally, the existence of an audience which constitutes an integral facet of Facebook web pages illustrates the potential for the impact of these ruptures to be maintained in an archival format by the online spaces divorced from the immediate impact of time and geographic space to be extended into online spaces outside of the immediate network of sites and perhaps even into offline spaces. By exploring the differential levels of success encountered by the processes of identity construction, this study illustrates some ways in which the subversive potential provided by online spaces can be harnessed by the subject. Nevertheless, by highlighting the neoliberal context in which the F2F counterparts of these web pages were situated, we aimed to maintain reference to the structural factors which impacted upon the creative potential of online spaces. Indeed, we found that the pervasiveness of patriarchal and neoliberal forces are no longer expressed through the power of official state channels. Instead, they were perpetuated through the informal channels of culture, as we saw by focusing on the Slutwalk Facebook web pages.